Happy Easter. Don't you just love Easter? You sh we should. You know why we should love Easter? Because this is the weekend that we celebrate what Jesus did to restore our relationship with God. I mean, that's the story of Easter. Why Jesus came and he died on a cross and he was buried and he rose again was so we could have a relationship with our God and our creator. And if we're not excited about Easter, if we're not excited about today, then it's either because we don't understand what Jesus did, we don't understand the significance, which if that's you, then you're a great place this morning because before you leave this morning, I believe you're going to fully understand the significance of Easter and why Jesus died and rose again to restore our relationship. Or maybe it's because we've just celebrated so many Easter's maybe you're like me and you grew up in church and you know maybe this is your 30 40 50th whatever Easter and you're like oh I've heard the story before been there done that and maybe you've just gotten used to it and we should never get used to the story of Easter amen and uh, you know sometimes our children can be our best teachers our best reminders of truths that we sometimes don't understand or get used to how many of all are parents raise your hand parents all the parents have your kids ever taught you anything if so say yes I remember um, several Easter's ago, many, several years ago, it was an Easter Sunday, I was actually pastoring my first church in Indiana, and um, after the service, after the Easter service, one of the teachers came up to me, and she said, you're never going to believe what uh, your daughter said in class today. Now, I have two children. They're teenagers now, they're 17 and 15, but this time they were like three and four years old, and uh, when... The teacher from my kid's class comes up to me as the pastor and says, you're never going to believe what your daughter said in class today. Horror came over my, my body. I'm like, oh no, what did she say? Now she's the really outspoken one in our family and so there's no telling what she's going to say. I mean, you never have to wonder what she's thinking. She's hilarious. And uh, the, one of the reasons why I was so fearful of what she had said that Easter morning is because a couple of years before that, her brother, uh, Caleb, a similar incident happened that wasn't Easter it was just a regular Sunday and he was about three or four and a teacher came to me after class as the pastor and said uh, you're never going to believe what your son said in class today now Caleb's kind of our quiet laid back one so I'm thinking oh it was probably something spiritual probably something pretty good and so I'm kind of excited to hear what she said and she goes well uh, your, your son kind of got in trouble in class today and we said oh well what what did he do and they said well he, he was picking his nose and we said, Caleb, you can't do that. You can't pick your nose. And he kept doing it. And you know, he's only three or four. He kept doing it. And they said, Caleb, what would your daddy think of that? And he goes, oh, it's okay. I've seen him do it. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Caleb. Appreciate that. That broke me of that habit a long time ago after that. So now, a couple of years later, when the teacher comes up to me and says, let me tell you what your daughter said, Caitlin, I'm thinking, oh, this could be anything. And she goes, well, we were telling the children the Easter story. And we had them all sit, seated in a circle, and Caitlin was right up front. And we were telling how God sent his son, his only son, Jesus, to this earth. Because God loved us, and he wanted a relationship with us, and he sent his son to die for us. And, and not everybody loved Jesus. Some people did, but not everybody did. And there were some really bad people, and they didn't love Jesus, and they, they didn't believe Jesus was who he claimed to be. And so they arrested Jesus, even though he had done nothing wrong. They put him on trial, even though he'd done nothing wrong. And then they decided that they were going to crucify him. They are going to put him on a cross. And, and they beat him, and, and he was bloody, and they, they put a crown of thorns on his head, and they spit in his face, and they made fun of him, and they mocked him, and they nailed him to a cross, and they put a spear in his side. And they said, as we were telling this story, uh, Caitlin was just, her face was just grimacing. 
And you could see that it was really bothering her. And they said at one point when we were talking about Jesus being beaten, she yelled out in class, that's not nice. And the teacher said, no, it's not nice, but that's not the end of the story. Because after Jesus died on the cross that day and he was crucified, they buried him in a tomb. But he was only in the tomb for three days because on the third day, he rose from the dead and he's alive. And they said, as soon as we said that, Caitlin stood up in front of the whole class and said, I just love Jesus. You know, that ought to be our response at Easter, shouldn't it? We just love Jesus because we understand what he did for us on Easter to die and be buried and rise again, to pay for our sins and to restore our relationship with God. I want you to turn to one passage this morning, just briefly. It's in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. If you're uh, using uh, one of the Bibles provided in the back, it's on page 472. So turn in your Bibles or mobile devices, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And I want you to understand that the story of Easter is the story of a separation and then a restoration. The fact that we, before we came to faith in Christ, we were all separated from a relationship with God. But because of Easter and what Jesus did, we can have our relationship with God restored once again. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 2, and these were believers, and he was reminding them of the significance of what happened when they put their faith in Christ. He's reminding them of what their life was like spiritually before they came to Christ and what it was like after. And he kind of goes back and forth and he's trying to get their attention and remind them of the significance of what Christ did for us. And so in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, we're going to look at a few verses here. He starts out and he says, and you he made, what's the next word church? Alive. Jesus, God made you alive because in the past you were dead and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins you know what paul is telling us here he's reminding us that before we put our faith in christ we were all spiritually dead even though that we may have been physically alive we were spiritually dead we were literally the walking dead and i'm not talking about the tv show but that's a description we we were alive physically but we were spiritually dead but when we put our faith in Christ he makes us spiritually alive and then jump down to verse 4 Paul Paul's talking about how we were in the past we were spiritually dead and then he says what's the next two words church but God everybody say but God, but God. you know those are two of the best words in all of the Bible you know you're coming along and it's talking about how you were without Christ and you were dead in your sins but God stepped in and he changed everything. You know we hear this all the time here at Orchard Church. My marriage was failing, my family was falling apart, but God stepped in and everything changed. I was without purpose, I was without hope, I was without direction in my life, but God stepped in and everything changed. I was struggling in my finances, but God stepped in and got me back on the right track. I was struggling with a health problem, but God stepped in and healed me. I was struggling with a health problem, but God stepped in. Even though he maybe didn't physically heal me, he spiritually healed me. He gave me the strength to get through it. But God changes everything. And Paul's saying, in the past, before faith in Christ, we We're the walking dead. We were spiritually dead. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were in the past dead in our trespasses and sins, he made us, say it again, church, 
alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. In the past, we were separated from God. We were dead in our sins, but God stepped in and brought us to life and restored our relationship with God. And then I want you to look at one other verse, verse 12. He says, in the past, you were not part of God's family, but at that time, you were without Christ. You were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers of the covenants of promise. And some of you are like, okay, you just lost me right there. What is this aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers? You know what Paul is simply saying here? He's not saying before we had faith in Christ, we were space aliens. He's not saying we were little ETs running around going phone home. He was saying this, you were not part of God's family. You were separated from God. You did not have a relationship with God. See, here's one of the biggest mistakes that people make. It's, it's in, in this kind of wrong thinking. People think that God is everyone's father. But that's biblically not true. You can check it out in John chapter 8. It talks about it. God is not everyone's father. God is everyone's creator. Can we agree with that? Say yes. He's created all of us, but he only becomes your father when you come into a personal relationship with Jesus and he adopts you into his family. That's when he becomes your heavenly father. He says before that, you're separated from God, you're dead in your sins, you don't have a relationship with God, you're not part of his family, and he says this, you have no hope without God in the world. Boy, isn't that true? We have no hope without God. When we're separated from him. You see, before we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we are separated from a personal relationship with God. Hey, have you ever been separated from somebody you love? You know what that feeling is like? Maybe a friend, maybe a family member, maybe even a child. I want you to watch this true life story about separation. start with I was a 16 year old girl with a boyfriend that didn't understand the word no and um, hmm. he chose to take from me what I didn't want to give to him and actually in that moment I don't know if it was God or my fantasy but I really believe I knew I was pregnant and I knew I was to have this child. So I kept it to myself as a secret for and told no one for six months. And I had to speak of it because when I was up on the roof with my father putting up the Christmas lights at Thanksgiving, my grandmother noticed that I looked awfully fat and said something to my mother. And my mother thought, no way. And in fact, it, it was true. I was pregnant. Um, I, I wasn't given the option that I remember at all to keep the child. And um, they, the choice they gave me was to go to a very wonderful unwed mother's home in Fort Worth. It was a wonderful experience um, to finally get there and be able to be pregnant after holding it to myself for six months as a secret and to just finally to be around other girls and get to be pregnant and get, and get to have that joy of being pregnant. 
Um, I delivered my son on February 21st, 1968. Um, my memory is that you're to stay in the home for a week um, in, in the hospital part. Um, and they started the process of wanting me to sign the release papers. And back then it was extremely, it was what's called a closed adoption. The records were sealed, they were court ordered not to be opened, and in the 60s that, it was, it was, that was just a huge part of it. And um, they discourage you for obvious reasons to see your child, and I was adamant many times that I would not sign that paper, which wouldn't allow them to have my child until I saw him. Um, I remember going into a small room with the curtain and holding him and at 16 I remember saying to him that I loved him, I would always love him, and that I prayed for him. I told him I was doing the best that I could for him, that it's not really what I wanted, but I was only 16, I was a child myself and that I would pray that someday, if it was best for us both, that we would, I would see him again someday. Years, time went on, and of course, every February was hard for me. It's after a while I realized in February, the month just was hard. At first I didn't understand why, and then it was obvious. It was because it's his birth month, and every February, I would start wondering more and more. Mother's Day was, it was very confusing. Thanksgiving and Christmases were really hard because it's family time and I would always wonder, you know, um, where he was, was he okay? Um, did he have the good family they said they gave, gave him to? So as I became um, older and wiser and more mature, um, I felt even more strongly that my, it's my, it was my responsibility and my desire and my longing as his birth mother to make sure he could find me if he wanted to, if, so he could know how to reach me. and. So I felt that I had made myself as available as I could. And so all I could do was wait and wonder and hope and pray in faith that maybe someday, maybe someday. It's an incredible story. I wanted you to see that story, Deborah's story, because it's a perfect illustration of how our Creator feels about us. He wants a relationship with us. He's pursuing us. He's, he's doing everything to invite us into that personal relationship with Him. As Paul said, but we were separated before we came to faith in Christ. 
And I want you to take out your notes you have there if you haven't already. And I just want to briefly, as simply as I can, draw you a picture. They say a picture is worth a thousand words. And I want to just, in four simple points, draw you a picture that is really the story of the Bible. How much God loves us and he wants a relationship with us and how he's done everything to make that possible. But it's up to us at some point to respond to his invitation to that relationship. And the the first thing that I want you to see, number one, and this is the good news, is that God loves you and he wants a relationship with you. God loves you and he wants a relationship with you. Probably one of the most famous verses in the Bible say it this way, John 3, 16. For God loved, everybody say loved. Anybody you love, you want to have a relationship with, with. And God loved the world so much, he gave his one and only son that most people, some people, a few people, is that what it says? No, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God loves you and he wants a relationship with you. So this triangle is going to represent God. Put a little G in there. And then this stick figure, the best I can do, is is us. It's you. And the first thing God wants you to know is he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. A relationship with you because he loves you so much. And it's available to everyone. Not just some people, not just most people, not a few people. Every person. Some of you may be here today and say, well, I would like to have a relationship with God, but I don't think God would ever want a relationship with me because I've done this or I've done that or I've done too much bad. That, that verse lets us know that our relationship with God is available to everyone. Amen? Everyone. And, and it's a relationship God wants. I want to say something. We say this a lot here at Orchard Church. If you're looking for religion, if you're looking for a religious church, religious people, a religious pastor, you've come to the wrong place. Because at Orchard Church, it's not about religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. And that's what God offers us. So that's the good news. God loves you and he wants a relationship with you. Here's the bad news. There's something that separates us from a relationship with God. And the Bible calls it, help me church, sin. Sin separates you from a relationship with God. Romans 3.23 very simply says this, for, what's the next word? Everyone has sinned. And because of that sin, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. We fall short of a relationship with God. Isaiah 59.2 says, it's your sins that have separated you from God. It's like God is on one side of the Grand Canyon, we're on the other. There's this great chasm in between, and it's called sin. And it's what separates all of us from God. If you've sinned, that sin separates you from God before faith in Christ. Uh, Let's just take a little Easter poll. Let's be honest, and I'll participate with you. How many of you would say, if you're honest, if you look back over the last week, last month, last year, look back over your life, you've probably sinned at least maybe once or twice. Be honest. Raise your hand. Okay? Wow, look at that. It's a good thing you guys are in church on Easter. A lot of sinners in here. Now, now listen, if anybody around you didn't just raise their hand, they're a sinner. They just lied to all of us, right? You saw that coming. It's our sin. God loves you and he wants a relationship with you, but we're separated from that relationship because of sin, the Bible says. Now, here's the deal. God, the Bible says God puts eternity in our hearts. He puts in the human heart a desire to want to have a relationship with God. But we realize we're separated by sin. So what we do is we go, well, I'm going to try to jump across. I'm going to try to be really good. I'm going to go to church a lot. I'm going to be baptized. I'm going to take some classes. And we try to do these things to jump across the Grand Canyon of sin. And some people may jump further than others. But in the end, the Bible says we all fall what? 
we fall short of that relationship with God. So God loves you and he wants a relationship with you, but it's your sin and my sin that has separated us from that relationship with God. And there's nothing we can do to jump across. And so God looked down in his love and he said, I realize that as humans, you, there's nothing you can do to get back to God. So there's something I'm going to do for you. And that's the third thing on your notes, and it's this. Jesus died and rose again to restore your relationship with God. He died and he rose again. And we know that Jesus died on what? He died on a cross. And by him dying on a cross, he made a bridge. He took away our sins, and he made a bridge to give us access back to God that was separated by sin. 1 Peter 3.18, I love this verse. It's so beautiful. It says this, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners. Why? To bring you safely home to God. Isn't that a great verse? God said, I love you. I want a relationship with you. I've been looking for that relationship. I've been pursuing that relationship. But your, sin, your sins have separated you from me and there's nothing you can do to jump across. The chasm is too wide. It's too deep. And so I'm going to send my son Jesus. He's going to die on the cross. He's going to be buried. He's going to rise again on the third day. And it's going to provide a bridge for you to get back to God and a relationship with him. I love the way one person said it. They said, Jesus' death on the cross was down payment for our sins. And on the third day, the empty tomb proved that the check cleared the bank. And it said, paid in full. Paid in full. But that's not the end of the story. Because it's not enough just to know that God loves you and wants a relationship and know your sins have separated you and, and know that Jesus died on the cross. You see, this is where a lot of people are. They know that story. It's not enough just to know these truths. There's one more thing that needs to happen if you're going to have your relationship with God restored. You have to be willing to walk across the bridge that he's provided. And how do you get across this bridge? The Bible says you come across this bridge by, help me church, faith. It's a faith walk. It's by faith. It's by faith that your relationship with God is restored. As you're willing to put your faith and trust in what Jesus did on the cross and believe in him, you're able to walk across. God's done his part. You must now be willing to do your part. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 couldn't be any clearer. It says, for by grace you have been saved through what, church? Faith. And that not of yourselves. It's not anything you can do. It's about what Jesus did for you. By faith and not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not of any works we do, lest any of us should boast and brag about it. That right there is the story of the Bible. That is the story of Easter. If that makes sense, say yes. I don't know how to make it any clearer. I don't know how God could make it any clearer. Here's the deal. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. Your sin separates you from that relationship. And there's nothing you can do about it. So God sent his son Jesus to die. He was buried. He rose again to restore your relationship with God. But you've got to be willing to respond by faith. To take a faith walk across that bridge. You know, in Deborah's story, she talked about how she gave her son up to be adopted. And she hoped that one day maybe she would see him again. But she didn't know. She said she had done her part. She did everything she could do to make herself available. But at some point, her son had to be willing to reach out and respond to her. And that's the same thing with God. He loves us and wants a relationship. He's made everything possible. He's provided the bridge. But he's just waiting now for us to respond in faith and walk across that bridge and have our relationship with God restored that was separated by sin. Would you all like to hear how Deborah's story 
ends because there's more to the story. So for 27 years of calling, going, asking, and always no, always nothing, nothing, no, nothing. I remember a really hot summer of 1995, July, going to the adoption agency. But this time, I went in with a medical, a medical reason, a family medical reason that would be a benefit to my son to know for himself and for his children if he had any. Also, I want to know, is has he contacted you? Have, or, have you heard from him? And she said, well, let me, let, let me see. Let me, let me go look. And I'm like, go look where? I, I couldn't even believe she was going to go. I mean, that never happened before. Go look for what? And so I'm sitting in the room, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm thinking, well, okay, what if, did, you know, did, who knows what she's doing? Maybe this is just some, I don't know. I had a lot of doubt. I mean, have, after 27 years of nothing, um, and she comes in the room and she's got a piece of paper in her hand. And she said, well, you know, we've heard from him a couple of times in the past few years. And all I can remember my mind going was him who? Because I couldn't even believe she was saying that. And then all I know is I felt every emotion in the book in one moment. And I wanted to get to that paper, but that it was on her desk, but and it was whited out a lot, and there was no reason way she was going to let me get to it. But she started telling me just, you know, that he had called, I think, a couple of times. And I said, well, can, can, I mean, look, I've got, the, this is important medical. And she said, well, let me see what, what I, what we can do. In all honesty, I can't remember the exact details of how it all happened because I was pretty much in so many emotions and in such shock. All I know is she said she'd do the best she could do and I would call to call her. And we would talk by phone. And so I think she started saying, well, I can make a call to him and see if he's interested and then we'll call you back. And so this kind of a thing was going on. And then the next thing I know, she's saying, yes, he, he, he is willing. But the next thing I know, he, he called me. And we're, we're, we're talking, I mean, I'm talking on the phone to my son. And it just is otherworldly is the only way I can describe it. And as consequence would have it, my mother was a snowbird. And she was right in the city two and a half hours or so from where they are. And so I flew to there to meet him. And I chose to meet in a park because I love nature and it was really cold. And I was waiting with great anticipation and up he walks with his wife and he's pushing his baby stroller. And he hands me my one-month-old grandson 
who looked just like he looked when I held him. And he, he gave him to me. And so I had them both. So after being separated for 27 years, all the joys of the past 17 of being reunited and connected together and sharing our lives has just been absolutely awesome. For those that didn't figure it out, I'd like to introduce to you my birth mother, Deborah. That was our story. And the picture that's on the screen was the first time that we met, and we were reunited back in October of 1995. And the reason that we went to great lengths to share this story with you is for one reason. And that's because as amazing and as significant as our story is, there's an even more amazing story that you can have. And it's when you personally reconnect with your God, with your creator, in a personal relationship with him. And just like we can look back at that picture in October of 1995 and go, that's when we reconnected I hope that some of you will be able to look back to Easter Sunday 2013 and say, that's when I made a faith connection with my God. That's why you're here. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment. I want to ask you the most important question that anyone could ever ask you. And it's this. Have you ever taken the faith walk to have your relationship with God restored? God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. Some of you are here this morning because God has been looking for you. God has been pursuing you. God has been waiting for you. Just like my birth mom, Deborah. I didn't know it, but for 27 years, she was pursuing me. She was waiting for me. She was looking for me. But at some point, I had to respond. And the same is true with God. Some of the things that have happened in your life recently, the person maybe that invited you here today, all of that was God trying to get your attention. He's, he's waiting at the other side of that bridge he's provided with arms open wide saying, will you run into my arms by faith? I love you. I sent my son to die for you. He rose again so you could have eternal life. If you've never made that decision, you can make that decision this Easter 2013, right now, right where you sit. It's, it, nobody can make the decision for you, only you can make it. It's personal. And you can make it today right from your seat. You don't have to get up, you don't have to say anything. You just have to be willing to open your heart by faith and invite Jesus to come into your life. You can do that through a simple prayer. A prayer of faith that you pray from your heart to God's. Now let me be specific. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's not the, it's not the words you say. It's the faith in your heart 
from where that prayer comes from. And if you would like to pray that prayer of faith today for the first time and say, I want to I be reconnected. I want to be reunited with my God who's been pursuing me. I want to have my sins forgiven. I want to know that I'm going to have eternal life, that I'm going to spend eternity in heaven with God someday. If you're ready to pray that prayer of faith, then from your heart to God's right now, would you pray this prayer with me? And it goes like this. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died on a cross for me to pay for my sins. I believe that you were buried and you rose again on the third day. I believe that you're alive. And I believe that I can have and want to have a personal relationship with you. So on this, this Easter, 2013, Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I'm taking that faith walk across that bridge you provided today. And thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you for making me alive spiritually. Thank you for giving me eternal life and a home in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around but me for just a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody. That's the last thing in the world we want to do. But you know, I would love the privilege to pray for you. If you just made that faith decision and prayed that prayer of faith, I'd love to pray for you because you just entered the greatest relationship you'll ever have. And I want to pray that you'll grow in that relationship with Jesus in the days and the years to come. And I want to pray for you. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around but me, would you just slip up your hand and say, yes, pray for me, Pastor Doug. I made that, that faith decision today. I prayed that prayer of faith. Just slip up your hand so I can see it and then put it down. Thank you, sir. Thank you, young lady. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Yes, young lady, thank you. Anyone else? Just slip it up and put it down. Yes, today, this Easter, I am accepting Jesus by faith. Yes, thank you. Up in the top section. Thank you. God bless you. Yes, ma'am. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? I want to say yes to Jesus today. I think he's been pursuing me. I think he's been waiting for me. I think he's been looking for me. And I'm ready to take that step of faith. Anyone else? Just slip up your hand. Yes, thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Let me pray for you. Father, we just thank you for those that are making that decision to step across the line of faith today. To walk across that bridge by faith of what your son did on the cross so that we could be saved. Lord, we praise you and thank you. We, we celebrate with the angels in heaven when the Bible says a party has broken out right now, just like it did last night when 20 people accepted Christ and many more this morning. Lord, we, we just pray that there's a party that's broken out in heaven all Easter weekend as churches all across America are celebrating Easter and people are coming to faith in you and we, we thank you for their decision. We pray that, Lord, this would just be the, the beginning of their relationship with you and they wouldn't just reconnect and reunite with you but their relationship with you would grow stronger each and every day and each and every month and each and every year and that as a church that we would accept them love them right where they are we'd help them to grow in that relationship help disciple them to maturity and Lord we just just pray that they would grow to know you and love you in a greater way in the days ahead thank you for their decisions and with heads bowed and eyes closed I know there are many believers here this morning and we're so glad that you're here to celebrate Easter weekend and what Jesus did for us and, and you know there was a time in your life that you took that faith walk and your relationship with God was restored but let me ask you this Christian is your relationship with Jesus as good as it could be is it where it once was 
Or would you be honest enough to say this Easter as a Christian, you know, I know I have a relationship with Jesus, but I know it could be better and it's up to me to do my part. Can I pray for you all across the auditorium this morning, Christians? You say, my relationship with Jesus could be better. And, and I'm challenged in that way. Slip up your hand for prayer all across the auditorium. God bless you. Thank you. Hands in every section, everywhere. And mine is up with you. Let me pray for all of us. Lord, we pray that this Easter, more than anything else, we would understand the incredible links that you went to to provide our salvation, to provide a relationship with you that we would never get used to, that we'd never take for granted the fact that you sent your one and only son to die on the cross, to be brutally beaten, to be mocked and spit upon and, and crucified so that we could have eternal life and a relationship with you. We thank you this Easter that we know that he was buried but he rose again. We thank you that he's alive and we can continue that relationship. And Lord, I pray that our relationships with you would grow stronger that we'd go stronger each and every day and if we've drifted away that we would come back that we reconnect with you and do the things Lord that would help our relationship with you to be everything that you would desire to be and that we would desire to be thank you God for your goodness thank you for your love thank you that you provided a way for us to run into your arms thank you for the many lives that have been changed this weekend including ours and we pray all this in Jesus name and everyone said Amen. I think there's only one response today. We need to celebrate all the decisions for Christ.